Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden. This is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 301, I'm inviting on the show Dr. Rosaria Butterfield. So if you know that you have neighbors who identify as lesbian, don't avoid them. It really, just that's not what Christian neighbors do. You know, I, I think that we just, we really do need to see these things uh, head on. And I think we also need to remember Ephesians 4.29 when we're talking to our children and to our neighbors. Make sure that what you want to say imparts grace to the hearer. You know, and I think part of maybe because we don't want to keep having this conversation, we're hoping that we can just kind of get the memo out and then nobody will ever talk to us about this again. But this conversation is not going away. It's not going away. So don't be afraid to listen. Don't be afraid to listen to what people's concerns are and then speak a word in season. We took a recent podcast listener survey. And on it, we asked for y'all to send in requests for guests you'd like to have on the show. And so many of you suggested I chat with Dr. Rosaria Butterfield. And I'm so glad you did. First, she is brilliant. Second, she has experience on a topic that I know a lot of you have reached out to me with insecurity, not knowing how to handle sexual identity conversations with your kids. And I know a lot of you have younger kids and you may be like, eh, skip next episode. Please don't because really this conversation I have with Rosaria is more big picture about how we see God, how we see sin, how we see our relationship with God, how we see our relationship with others. It goes so far beyond just uh, homosexuality or same-sex attraction. It is truth that I think if we could grasp a little bit more as moms, it would infiltrate so many conversations that we have with our kids and that we could lean into the Holy Spirit to guide each one, that we don't have to rely on a script or someone to tell us what to say, but more that we can know what we believe and the truth of what we believe from a biblical standpoint, and that impacts all of our relationships. And I think, honestly, I'm thankful that we're releasing this, too, in light of the culture and the context of the election and all the differences. And I just feel like Rosaria has a lot of really good things to say in the posture we take towards loving others well. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Rosaria, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Hey, Heather. Thank you so much. It's a joy and an honor to be here today with you. Well, I love always chatting with another mom. But your story, I don't know, it's unique, I can say. It's unique. And it's also, I love hearing how the, the gospel draws people in. And mm, that it's mm -hmm. it just, for someone who grew up at, in a home of faith and I profess belief as a kindergartner, I mean, it, there's just. And praise God for that. Th there's, a, there's a beautiful thing in that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I just love hearing stories like yours too. That, that God moves in so many unique ways is it draws me closer to him. And so I would love it if you would take time a little bit to share with the mom listening your story. And then we're going to get into some more giddy good stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I have too many stories, but by story, <laughs> do you mean how I how met you, the Lord Jesus yes, Christ? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, I, I met the Lord Jesus Christ 
20 some years ago because of a Christian neighbor who loved me well enough to get close. Um, at that time, I was uh, an English professor at Syracuse University, and I was in a long-term committed lesbian relationship, and I was recently tenured in the English department with a um, joint appointment in queer theory and gay and lesbian studies. When I, when I discovered I had this Christian neighbor, you know, there are a, a wide range of feelings went through my brain, panic, anger, you know, yeah. you know, those are my two favorites anyway. Like, you know, I'd love to say that was unique to having a Christian neighbor as a lesbian, but it was just not unique. Those are my yeah. two defaults. Uh, but then ultimately, uh, just a sort of just a sense of curiosity. You know, what do Christians believe, and why do Christians hate me? You know, why do Christians think I'm a sinner? I mean, I you know, I, I'm a good citizen. I'm a good caregiver. What what gives really? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a long story, and it's it's. I guess that's maybe why I write books about these things. But in the course of this friendship, this, um, my neighbor was also a pastor, and. Uh, his name is Ken Smith, and um, and his wife Floyd. They became my friends, and this was, you know, this was New York in the '90s, back when that other pandemic was going around, right? Very early on, this was the, this was the, you know, really the a very the kind of the heyday of the AIDS epidemic, and mm. um, and it was a terrifying time to be a lesbian. And it was a terrifying time to be part of a gay community. And Ken and Floyd not only answered my questions, but they helped me formulate better questions than the questions I had. Hmm. And um, in the course of having weekly dinners with them and reading the Bible multiple times and arguing with them, what happened was the word of God got to be bigger inside me than I. Hmm. And I, I started to realize that God is bigger than my feelings and that being a lesbian was not actually who I was because who I was was an image bearer of a holy God. That's who every human being is. It wasn't who I was, but it was still very much how I felt hmm. and the gospel helped put a wedge between the who and the how. And the Lord led me slowly and painfully into Christ, into union with Christ. And in the process, you know, I say it in the book, I lost everything but the dog. And he was a really nice dog, so nobody <laughs> should nobody should feel very sorry for me. Um, I actually didn't lose my job, um, but I did have to go before an ethics board and explain why after my conversion, I was not going to be professing queer theory any longer. So it was a very, very tumultuous time. And so... That's the edges of my story. I'm a mess, probably like you and everybody listening. Yeah. But you know what? Jesus not cleaned up, but Jesus is cleaned up for me. And throughout these decades of learning to die to myself, I have drawn closer to Christ, closer to the church. And 
well, I don't want, I want, I'd love to say I've never looked back, but that's just simply a bold-faced lie. Um, I don't look back with any kind of relish any longer. And it wasn't because my life as a lesbian, I mean, there, there are things about it that I loved very much. And there were people that will always remain dear to me, mm-hmm. but Christ is better. Hmm. And so that's what I learned and that's what I keep learning. And the key with how Ken and his wife approached you was not, we better befriend her so we can get her to stop being a lesbian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, I mean, I I don't know. I think there were a lot of keys. You know what I mean? I think there were a lot of keys. So, you know, I mean, Ken, Ken and Floyd were big prayer warriors. They would walk around our neighborhood and pray over every house and, you know, they would pray that the Holy Spirit would be opening hearts and minds and, the, the, you know, so I, you know, I, I don't want to discount that was, that's the biggest biggie. But yeah. the truth is when, you know, when it came time for Ken and Floyd and I to have one of those hard conversations, right? Because that's actually what friends do. Friends actually say, hey, I love you. I don't agree with you. You know, mm. um, friends do imagine, that. Um, imagine. I know it's crazy, right? And they do it in person. Do you think they do? They it do. Face? Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Right, not on right. social media. I mean, that sounds like a better no, plan. Pass, pass the potatoes. I don't agree with you. Yeah. You know? Not even yeah. Not, not even a big breath between those two things. Yeah. Um, but when it came time for them to do that, which happened kind of early on, right? Our friendship was as strong as the words that they used. Hmm. So it wasn't insulting and terrifying. I already knew they loved me. I already knew they cared for me. They expressed that. The words weren't hanging in thin air. And, and one of the things I learned about the Christian life, even I, I couldn't quite put words to it at the time, but you know how you look back on your times with people and you think, well, there is something really special about that. I learned that in the Christian life, you never have to look at things flat on. You know, never look at your sin as a Christian just as your sin. Always look at your sin on the cross. If you look at your sin just like there it is on the table, you would, well, you would either be seduced again by it or you would be crushed by it. But we look at our sin on the cross. And so, you know, they, even before I could really wrap my brain around that, because boy, is that, that's a Christian reality. Um, they modeled that for me and that was powerful. But yeah, there were a lot of keys. And I think I am probably one of probably say, oh, millions of people who came to Christ in somebody's living room, you know, over a cup of tea and a box of Kleenex. Yeah. So we have moms listening and part of your story too, is that you are a mom. So tell me their ages. How old are they? Well, we, um, I married late in life and was not able to bear children of my own. And so my husband and I have adopted four children. We've signed probably 10 adoptive placement contracts. Wow. <laughs> you know, the, I mean, maybe I'm not, I'm not good at math. I don't know. What it, you know what I'm <laughs> it feels like Lord, 10. Yeah. Right. But the Lord knows, you know, my weaknesses, but we've adopted two children out of foster care at the age of 16 and two children as babies. And so my babies are now 
14 and 17, and my olders are 25 and 30. So the two children we adopted out of foster care at 16, well, we adopted them at 17, and they came into our house at 16. We did that twice, five years apart. Okay. Which means it worked out. You know what I mean? Like these are amazing people who had more reasons than I ever will have for wanting to put holes in my walls, but it worked out. Yeah. They're amazing. I'm thankful to be able to have conversations like this because of sponsors like Ancestry Health. What I appreciate about Ancestry Health is in a very easy to do way, I got a packet, I basically spit in a tube, that was it, and I mailed it off. They're able to process my DNA and let me know what my inherited risk is for things like colon cancer, breast cancer, heart disease. Now, I know that my dad passed away from colon cancer. My mom had breast cancer and has survived. She has some heart disease. Her dad had heart disease. I know that my this is a part of my story, but what is my inherited risk so that I can focus my time and energy on seeing the doctors that I need to see and Ancestry Health helps point me in the right direction. If you want to go check them out, go to Ancestry.com forward slash DMA for Don't Mom Alone, and you can get your Ancestry Health Kit today. That's Ancestry.com slash DMA for Don't Mom Alone, and you can find out what is your DNA say about your genetic risk. As moms, we don't have a lot of time, don't have a lot of money to waste. And so this is going to help focus your energy and your attention to take care of yourself so you can better take care of your family. So with your own children, and now they're at the ages, I mean, they, you've been talking to them about sex. They understand that. They know your story. They've read your books. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, do yeah, children read I mean, their they books? Not, they I think reading my books would be creepy and weird, but they've, <laughs> But, you know, because because I'm their mom. But yes, yeah, of course they know. Of course and they know my story. So moms reach out to me a lot, wanting to know, having, wanting words or wanting yeah perspective. How do we approach the topic of same sex attraction with our kids? I mean, it's yeah. enough of a burden, and I get parents are terrified to talk about sex with their kids, let alone. And so we guide them. We have a birds and bees um, experts that we point them to. And then the topic of same-sex attraction, it feels like we as adults often don't know how to navigate it. So then we're trying to guide our children. I would love like big pictures, perspectives. I just take over. Just go. I'm going to say go. (laughs) There's a lot, you know, there's a lot, right? Uh Um, uh, I mean, the first thing is as Christian parents, if you don't talk to your children about sexuality, someone else will. So while we want to maintain modesty and care and age appropriateness, we absolutely want to not shirk this responsibility. Yeah. And the the primary conversation, the most important conversation, and the conversation that bears repeating and repeating is what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman by God's design. Okay, not, you know, we, we live in a world that has completely psychologized everything. Mm. 
but that's not what scripture actually does. So we need to foreground the beauty and the majesty and the, and the calling of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. Now, I think it's very helpful because we throw around words. They're, they're called neologisms because they're new words. They're not, they're not necessarily words in the Bible. They're not ancient words. Words like same-sex attraction or homo, even homosexuality is a pretty modern word. And, and I think it helps to really just jump in the deep end, okay, without the life preserver. And that's what I'm <laughs> going to recommend we do. Okay. Um, and I'm going to recommend a book that I have been uh, recommending to parents uh, who asked me this, this question directly, as you have. And the reason I'm, I want to start with this book, it's not a Christian book, but if you want to know what kind of world our children, especially our teenagers, are living in, it's an eye-opener. And the book is called Irreversible Damage. The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters by Abigail Schreier. And I, so you might say, well, wait, 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 wait. I don't want to talk about transgenderism. I want to talk about same-sex attraction. Well, really, the issue is the LGBTQ movement and how it has given our children both a team and a cause. Hmm. And you know what? There's more dopamine in that right now than there's anything, anything else you've done today. Right. It is somewhat irresistible. And I say that because we are all born with a desire for something that God opposes. Every human being on the planet is born in original sin. We're born in Adam. The, the great Puritan Thomas Goodwin says that we are all born tied to Satan's belt through our original sin. And in Christ, we get to be tied to Christ's belt. But that doesn't mean that we're lobotomized. All, what that means is that we see what God wants. We perceive why our desires are sinful. And with God's help, we overcome those. Now, that's the Christian story. I understand that CNN doesn't believe that story. And, and Rosaria didn't believe that story until she lived that story. But the power of Christ, the power of the resurrected Christ, is that we can grow to be more like him by doing what he wants, not what we want, and learning to love that in a way that is both beautiful and sacrificial, and, and that becomes us. When we talk about wanting to grow to be like Christ, what we're really saying is, you know, growing to be like Christ is Philippians 3, I, I don't know, maybe 11, um, that's a guess, um, <laughs> that we are going to share in the fellowship of his suffering. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm saying is, is that because we are all born with a desire for something that God hates, our job is not to make a career out of trying to convince the Lord that he should love it just because we feel it. Hmm. And so I know this is a really, really vexed subject, but I think this book, Irreversible Damage, is very helpful because if you start 
as a young person on this path of trying to ask the Lord to bless your feelings, whatever they are, instead of asking the Lord to change you, truly, to change you, to be like him, then you'll find yourself in a situation like the one that she is describing. And the one that this author is describing is something that, you know, I ran into uh, maybe 2016. I was speaking at 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 a university campus and the director of the health clinic, you know, raised her hand and said, Hey, Dr. Butterfield, I have a question for you. Don't, I don't want to hear the gospel. I'm not a Christian. I just want to know why one out of four young women, college women are coming into my health center telling me that they've got anxiety, depression, or telling me that they're bisexual, although they're not actually sexually active with anyone. But this is just the category that seems to be like a, you know, like a safe thing to say about yourself. And then three months later, they're leaving wanting a double mastectomy and a hysterectomy telling me that they're really transgendered men. And she said, look, I'm concerned. I'm not a Christian. I'm not, I don't have any moral say in this. If you've got gender dysphoria, I'm, you know, I'm okay with that. None of these women have gender dysphoria. It's almost like anorexia in the 80s and the 90s. Of course, anorexia is a, is a, a thing. You wouldn't look at your daughter who hates her body and thinks she's fat and say, well, you're wrong. Just let's jolly you out of it. That would be obnoxious and stupid. But, you know, as Dr. Paul McHugh has said, you, you wouldn't say, oh, I agree with you. Let's go get liposuction. Right. You know what I mean? So, so like, what is going on that we are having a hard time standing on some solid ground when it comes to sexuality? Hmm. Whether it's an individual person's feeling of same-sex attraction or whether it's a self-harm action that's leading to the potential of wanting to have a double mastectomy and a hysterectomy. What's, what's going on with our daughters? And I would say that if you concede on the homosexual issue, if you say, well, God can bless you as a lesbian. Just don't go any further with that. Well, the trajectory doesn't stop there. And again, I know this is really painful. This is not, this is not a subject that, um, I don't know, that we should be talking about in some ways, unless we're, we're really at a table with a mug of tea and a Kleenex, right? right. You know what I mean? So this is hard. This is because really Because it's, it's personal, you know, like you and I were saying, like there's a, it's it a is, sister, and we it's love a our children. And we want them. Our, yes, yeah. We mm-hmm. want them to be happy. But I will tell you personally, that giving into sin does not make you happy. And so the first question for most of us is a very basic question. And it's a really simple question. Lord, why is this a sin? Yeah. Who am I harming? Right. What am I doing that's so wrong? And I think that those are the questions that you want to cry out to the Lord and you want to have your Bible open as you're crying out. Because Christians need to live life with our eyes open. Because our daughters, and I, we, you know, we have sons too, and we want to talk about our sons, but, but especially our daughters right now are getting sucked into a vortex where they have a cause and a team. And it's just, it's irresistible. And when, like you, you brought up 
sin and we have to deal with the sin. And I know Mm -hmm. that a common conversation, you know, if a Christian is in relationship with a sibling or a neighbor, even maybe it's not a close family member is the argument of why do you think it's a sin if I'm not actively in a relationship with someone outside of marriage or if it's something just within me, that's a feeling that right, I'm acting right. on. Sure. How is that a sin? Yeah. So, I mean, I know you've processed through all these things. Yeah. Well, no, said. I mean, I'm not the expert, but I know. But say you've it, had these conversations. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it, it kind of, in some ways, it depends upon what you do with that feeling. Yeah. Okay. It really, really depends. I mean, because, because God lo- cares about our feelings. He's not, God is not a slave driver. God is not harsh with us. He, he understands that that sin has entered into our nature. And so we have a number of passages that we would go to. But one is, you know, Jesus says that lust in the heart is adultery, right? right? And and anger is murder. So we certainly don't want to get to the point where we say feelings don't matter. Because we didn't take action on it, then it's not sin. It's it's going against what Jesus said in Matthew. Because if you desire something that God doesn't want for you, which could also be a violation of the 10th commandment. That could also just be covetousness. I mean, it doesn't have to be sexuality. If you desire something that God doesn't want for you, that desire is actually a sinful desire. Right. Because it has an object. You desire an object and God says no to that object. So, so there's that. But then, you know, we also learn um, scripturally that there is a war inside us, right? I mean, Paul in Romans 7 says, why do I do what I don't want to do? It is the law of sin in me. And then, uh, you know, later in Ephesians, you know, we, we learn about this war, mm-hmm. this, this literal, you know, war where I literally, the Bible says, don't get to do what I want. Yeah. Okay. And so, so part of it is the process of holiness. And so it's, this is not an issue of shame. You know, mm-hmm. there's a twofold problem of sin. There's the guilt and there's the corruption. And the Lord Jesus Christ has taken on both. Yeah. And then we need to lay hold of the Lord. So if you have a sinful, you know, first of all, if you don't have a sinful desire, then you're dead. <laughs> I mean, you know, then you're dead. Like we're all, we're not, we're not ranking this here. We're not talking about them over there that are sinning. No, right. Yeah, their no, hearts. No, no. We're talking about if right. you're approaching your neighbor or your sister or your child and thinking that whatever they've just shared with you makes them worse than you. Right. We yeah, have to no, remember no, no. the truth of our reality. Right. Yeah. Right. Get get that log out of your own eyeball. <laughs> it's 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 ugly right now. So no no no. Yeah. Right. right. The point is that you are to struggle well. You know, and I think this is where we need to remember all of those great battles in the Narnia movies, right? There's yeah. sweat, there's blood, there's terror. At one point Lucy says to Mr. Beaver, you know, is Aslan safe? And Mr. Right. Beaver says, well, of course he's not safe. He's good. You know, so we need to understand that there's a, there's a real battle that, you know, we are not living 
our life for this world. We are living our life for the new creation. And every battle that we have right now, there is meaning and purpose and grace. So Christian sisters, struggle well. Struggle in the Lord. Battle in the Lord. That is the truth. And then as we grow in sanctification, those some battles get easier. And then we discover we have other battles. Right? You know, it's yeah. not it's not over. We're not going to arrive and everything is easy. No, no. Yeah. But you know, it, of course, I don't and I certainly don't mean to be crass when I say this, but you can always tell that I was raised on the wrong side of the tracks, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, people, if your sin doesn't feel good, you know, of course your sin feels good to the flesh. But you're not flesh. That your soul will last forever and you're body will be reunited with your soul in the new Jerusalem. But of course your sin feels good to your flesh. So when people say, well, it feels good, of course. I mean, there's this kind of immediate relief. But to the believer, there's a great deal of, there's that terrible, terrible danger of adding injury to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I, th- and I think, and again, I, that's a mystery. There's, there's a, there are many, many mysteries to our life in Christ. Our life in Christ is not boring and it's not easy to pin down, but the Lord Jesus Christ did not endure the sins of every single believer throughout the duration of history and each person's life so that you could do what feels good. That's not it. Mm-hmm. The Lord, Je- the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is not cheap; it's pricey, and He knows what you sacrifice. Uh, he He sees what you sacrifice, and growing in holiness um, not only is it God honoring, but as you grow in holiness, you grow in victory over your sin, and that's an amazing thing. And those are very important things for Christian mothers to think about. You know, every day you get up and you get ready to die to yourself. You get up and you get ready to not do what you want to do, to be interrupted, to make make that glorious list of things to do on your notepad and maybe not do any. Well, pick one thing. You maybe know, like one. pick one thing. There's you could either pick dinner or homeschooling or clean the house. Yeah, which yeah. one which one would you like to do? You know, those kinds of things. So often I'm in conversations with mom friends or even family. This weekend it was my two sister-in-laws and we were talking about how to solve the what's for dinner dilemma. And I was telling them about this week's sponsor, Sunbasket. And we have used them a lot. I'm actually signing up for a week's worth of meals because we'll just be coming back from my niece's wedding and I just don't wanna have to think about what's for dinner for that week after being gone all weekend. What you do is they have a menu each week. You go and you pick and choose for the next week. So I've already picked my meals for the week of October 26th. And you have options. You can pick different, you know, whether you want steak or chicken or shrimp. You also have options on whether you want to be chopping a lot or you want it fresh and ready. And they have lots of fresh and ready menu choices. This week, some of the options I'll scroll through and tell you their titles. Uh, Southwestern turkey and sweet potato skillet butter chicken with basmati rice pilaf. What you're doing is you're just heating those up in six minutes. They're already ready to go. 
The things I've chosen for that week, Korean spicy chicken stir fry and pickled daikon, steaks and romesco with baby broccoli and summer squash and almonds. Anyway, it's a great choice. If you want to try it out, as a Don't Mom Alone listener, you can get $35 off when you go to sunbasket.com slash DMA. Use the promo code DMA. That's sunbasket.com slash DMA. Use that promo code DMA to save $35 off. Sunbasket.com slash DMA. Promo code DMA. And maybe on that list is this having these conversations with your kids. I mean, I really think like what you have just described, what you just walked us through is working on our theology what we really believe about who Christ is and what sin is and and the role of sin in our life and, and God's ultimate authority over sin. And I think we often, when we approach conversations about homosexuality with our kids, we freeze because we don't get what you just said. I mean, I think it's like, we want a quick answer Yeah, yeah, there's no quick answer, but, but I really, I love the way you talk about the who and the how instead of, the theming of people who are in the homosexual community. Talk right. to us about that because I think that posture is really important as moms. Oh, it's about huge. Yeah. This. Well, the first thing, you know, and I think this is, in, if there's anything in your life that you're praying, oh Lord, please don't ever make me have to have this conversation, <laughs> right? It, it, just, just like know that that's not the right, that's not the right posture. Okay. So if you know that you have neighbors who identify as lesbian, don't avoid them. Mm -hmm. You know, really just, that's not what Christian neighbors do. You know, I I think that we just, we really do need to see these things uh, head on. And I think we also need to remember Ephesians 4.29 when we're talking to our children and to our neighbors, make sure that what you want to say imparts grace to the hearer. Now, grace doesn't soft pedal sin because grace is what you get because of the blood of Christ. So grace, you know, I've heard people say, oh, give me grace. And what they mean is, please don't make me have to turn in my paper on Macbeth tomorrow. You know, right, well, right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wrong word. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, but it does mean don't say everything at once. Hmm. You know, and I think part of maybe because we don't want to keep having this conversation. We're hoping that we can just kind of get the memo out and then nobody will ever talk to us about this again. Mm. But this conversation is not going away. It's not going away. So don't be afraid to listen. Don't be afraid to listen to what people's concerns are and then speak a word in season, not a dissertation in season, you know, but a word in season. Uh, you know, I would say too that, especially with your children, but even with your neighbors, you know, Christians don't throw people away. Hmm. We shouldn't be known for people who throw people away because they're inconvenient. That's it's kind of the opposite of Jesus. Pagan, yeah, that's a kind of ancient pagan, you know, uh, Gilgamesh-ish ritual. Yeah. You know what <laughs> right, I mean? Right, 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 you know, right. We just, My son we're just not, read that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we're not. That's not what Christians do. So because Christians don't throw people away, we need to be willing to hear their problems mm-hmm. and maybe even say things like, well, not sure how to answer that. I'll get back to you. Or, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is there's this idea out there and it's really foreign to me. And I'm probably older than most of your listeners, but there's this 
out there that friends can only be friends if they agree on things. And that's actually not true. Friends can be friends because they can respect where each other is coming from, even if they don't share the same opinion. You know, friends can tolerate difference because friends know that we don't throw each other away. It's acquaintances. It's like the weird, you know, the, the friends and scare quotes, the, the friendship that is downstream of social media that can't tolerate difference. But, you know, as somebody who was a card-carrying member of the left for decades, this is where the left and the right have to be very careful. Because if you get to the place where you can't tolerate anybody who's going to vote differently in this election, think differently about pick your hot button issue, believe differently, if you can't tolerate that, that is what creates fascism. Okay, that is not liberal. I'm, I'm the old school liberal. Liberal is where you can have different ideas at the table and much respect for those as you explain where you're coming from. Yeah. And so, I, I, you know, I, uh, everybody's story is going to be different, but friends love each other well enough to hear our stories. And again, I don't understand experientially why that's so hard because I am blessed to have friends who think very differently than I do. And we get to say things like, you know, I disagree entirely. Please pass the salad, you know? Yeah. Well, and pre-COVID, yeah, you are in your other book, um, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Did I get it right? Yeah. Uh, That you're uh, someone who invites those over to have a dinner that are different have different views from you because it was one, it was modeled for you, but then I think you experienced it in the gay community. Definitely. And, and so tell everyone what you would do at the end of that meal, because I think that's something that maybe they hadn't considered was an option. Right, right, right. Well, and I, and you say pre COVID, but it's actually pre COVID and post COVID (laughs) I live in North Carolina where the weather is wonderful and screened in outside. And you know, and we have a, and we, God has given us a big house too. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So you're still having meals. I, yes. Yeah. I just want you to know, you can blow me in if you want. Call the police. No, you know, no, no, no. Check We're, out what's we, going on at the Butterfield. Well, and but, we kind of have yeah. gotten to the point where we have the people that are. Yeah. No, we can't. And, you know, and now, yeah. with, and now with so many parents back to work, but children still at home on a computer, mm-hmm. we've, we've set up workstations in our house so that our public school friends can send their kids here. And I've had people say, is everybody social distancing? Yes. Until somebody gets up and sharpens a pencil. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, come, come on. You can, you can, you can get the yeah. measuring stick out. But anyway, yes, yes. yeah. So we, you know, in my, in my gay community, this was during the, just during the, the time when AIDS was still a mysterious illness, a little bit like COVID is right now. Yeah. Right. These, these viruses don't come with user manuals. And in my gay community, we would, someone's home was open every night of the week just to talk about life because life is hard. Yeah. But I will tell you that, you know, the end of Romans one talks about how, if you cannot receive a blessing from God, you will demand it from men. Hmm. And if you're living in sin, you cannot receive a blessing from God, but you can still demand it from men. And so we were very, 
very strident in our political activism because our life depended on it. Mm. I don't know why Christians don't understand that. And so it was, it was very agitating. I mean, our, our meals would be long and fun, but at the end of the day, it's like they never, the anxiety never ended. But at Ken and Floyd Smith's house, you know, the conversations would still be, you know, intense and raucous and people would disagree. But at a certain point, Ken would say, all right, let's get out our Bibles. Hmm. And that's what we do here at the, at a certain point when the dinner is done and the kids bring the dishes to the kitchen or stack it up on the, you know, on the side step before outside the Psalters and the Bibles come out. And, and sometimes our, our, our unchurched and unbelieving neighbors will say, you know, Hey Kent, what kind of weird ritual is this? And, you know, we just say, look, we're, we've talked about some really hard things tonight and we're going to, you know, we as a family, we're going to sing a Psalm and we're going to read a passage from the Bible. We're going to talk about it and then we're going to pray. And you are welcome to join us. This is called family devotions and you are welcome to join us. And, you know, uh, sometimes our neighbors will say things like, well, actually almost always our neighbors have two questions and they're the two questions that every covenant child has always wanted to ask, but maybe never has. The first is how long will this take? Right. Right. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And the second one is, do I have to pray out loud? Right. You know what I mean? So, so they ask, they ask great questions and, and that's it. So, you know, we sing a Psalm, we look through a, we look at a a passage of scripture. Kent will take prayer requests, people who want to pray, pray. And I remember when, when this would happen at Ken and Floyd Smith's house thinking, this is amazing. These people are not going to stay anxious about this problem. These people are going to sleep tonight without medication. And then later when I encountered that verse in the Bible, these people have a peace that surpasses my understanding. And that's one of the great blessings of the Christian life. You know, Psalm 46 is a a good reminder of that. Yeah, you know, really crazy things happen. You might be listening to this podcast right now and you've just, you know, your daughter has just told you that she thinks she's a lesbian or your son has just told you that he's getting a divorce or, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, something that's, you know, something that would definitely fall into the, that, that file folder that says not equipped to handle it. Right. But God has purposes for this struggle that are good and glorious. And we are not done yet. Where there's life, there's hope. And we don't throw people away. We don't throw children away. We don't throw neighbors away. We don't throw throw church members away. We're going to hang on to each other and we're going to struggle well using the Bible as we ought, as the very word of Christ. The very word of Christ that will spiritually speak to our souls and give us in both mysterious and then sometimes just really obvious ways the encouragement that we need to let God be God. Well, I think what you do is you provide like a confidence that this is not too big, a approachability 
that being a civil human being Mm -hmm. (laughs) is to love those around you. That's right. To meet people, remember who you are and meet people where they are. You can still hold to truth and welcome and love others. Absolutely. And no one is too far gone ever. Ever. From the grip of God's redeeming love and grace. And we can extend that invitation to everyone. And I honestly love how you are occupying your space, your neighborhood, your place that God has assigned you. Mm -hmm. You're filling it, you're inviting, you're welcoming, even for the parents who are working and their kids need a place. I mean, thank you for modeling that, but not grossly showing it all over the interwebs. It's that tricky balance of like letting people know this is an option and not look at me, I'm doing these great things. Yeah. So. Well, the people you need to let know that's an option are the people who live across the street from you. You know <laughs> exactly. what I mean? Like that, really, it just doesn't, it's not, it's not rocket science that you, you know, go across the street and say, hey, or, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, it, but I think we're more, I, I think that we, uh, things have been disrupted. Yes. And we have a choice yes. right now that yes, we can we do. do things a little differently than maybe we were doing them. And I love that you're, reminding us of that. And so, okay, where online can they find you? Not on social media, but do you have a website? Do you have a website? I do have a website. Okay. All right. We'll point people there. We'll put the link in the show notes, but to say it out loud in case. Yeah. It's just rosariabutterfield.com. Okay. But I have no social media presence. I tend to only answer emails and text messages from (laughs) neighbors. Um, you know, church members, and if you're in my co-op. So if we share a zip code, I'm your girl. You know, if not, I don't know Find your say. people. Find, Find your people. people. Yeah. There's people yeah. around you willing there to talk. There are. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. I thank you again for sharing your testimony and um, just centering us back in the truth. So thank you, Heather. This was a joy. Okay. How are we doing? I wish I could process this with you in person. And if you ever want to leave a comment on the show notes over at Don't Mom Alone or reach out to me on Instagram, because I feel like what Rosaria said about we shouldn't even be talking about these things. We need to be having these conversations face-to-face. I totally agree. And I would love to see eyeball to eyeball. I would hear what your interaction with sexual identity is, who in your life have you been walking through about this? Where are you struggling? What what are you thinking? I, I want to have those, those ideas and I want to know that about you before we have the conversation. But I do also think there's value in what Rosaria had to say about theology. I don't think she is wrong in the fact that we all sin and our sin is all dealt with at the cross. And that as a believer, we don't throw people away, that Jesus, in fact, would be in relationship with those that society threw out, the leper, the prostitute, the tax collector. Those were his people. The church should not be known for casting people out, but for being present with everyone. So definitely check out Rosaria's books. But also, I mentioned it really quickly, but I've had several interviews with Mary Flo Ridley and Megan Michelson, and their resource is Birds and Bees. We're going to put links in the show notes to that. If you are even nervous to talk about the topic of sex with your kids, this is such a kind, helpful 
resource and you will be excited when they ask questions. I mean, I have teenage boys and I'm still getting questions that I'm like, didn't we talk about that already? This is an ongoing conversation, not a one-time talk. Let's do it differently than generations before us and let's be the experts for our kids. So I'm gonna pray for us. Lord, I thank you that you partner with us as parents, that you give us a helper with the Holy Spirit, that we do not need to know exactly what to say, when to say it, that we can choose a word, not a whole dissertation when we are interacting with people, that we would be listeners that we would have perfect love, that fear would be cast out. And that perfect love doesn't come from a mustering, but thankfully you have perfected it with Christ, that that, that love comes from you being in us, that that sacrifice on the cross is the kind of love that we get to show those around us. I pray for anyone who's hurting because of harm done within the church, I pray for anyone who is confused on how to engage a friend, family, neighbor, anyone in their circle, and they don't know what to do. I pray that they would lead with love and relationship and that they can know that they can be different in opinion and be unified in Christ. I pray for us to have wisdom and discernment, especially in these upcoming days, I pray that we would be people who represent the gospel well. I thank you for Rosaria demonstrating that kind of love in her home, gathering people around your word, whether they're familiar or unfamiliar, that they would see that this is our firm foundation, that anxiety loses its hold when we hold up your truth. I thank you and praise you for all that you do in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks y'all for listening. Two things. One, our Patreon group this Thursday, I'm going to have a chat with my boy mom mentor, Leslie Johnson. She's also a life coach and she has coached me this last year. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. If you can't join us live, you can always watch later. So go to patreon.com slash don't mom alone. Join our community over there. I'd love to have you be a part of it. And then come back here next week. We're going to have a lighthearted episode with your stories, Kid Fails, embarrassing moments. And Sarah Jane, my assistant and I will be sharing our own stories. So come back here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. 
Have a great day.